Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Gray. Good morning, Mr. Gray. I can always depend on Gray to help me out. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Let's get ready to go this morning. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, verse number uh, 27. Luke chapter 5, verse number 27. Luke 5, verse number 27. We'll be there this morning. We're going to read that chapter, that, that, that passage of scripture right there. And we're going to come back and uh, talk more about more revelation on kingdom authority. In this one chapter, we're discovering a lot of different things about kingdom authority that have really been uh, kind of <laughs> helping me understand some things about the way how God operates and how he functions. Let's go ahead and read together then. Uh, in your Bible, you can go ahead and go there if you choose to. And uh, uh, verse number 27 says this, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Verse number 29 says this, uh, 29 it says this, then Levi gave him a, a, great, a great feast uh, in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and, and others who sat down with them. Uh, and their scribes and Pharisees complained, complained against him, his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from, from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then, they, then he spoke to a parable to them. No one puts a piece, of, uh, a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new one does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the new wine and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new. For he, he says, the old is better than the new, is what he would say. Go back to verse number 27 for a moment here. We're going to look at that together and identify uh, some points here that will help us understand uh, some things about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about how the kingdom of God leads to certain things, and we're going to talk about today how the kingdom of God uh, also helps us to produce some things in our lives, and we'll see some things as well. Uh, after, after these things, he said, uh, he went out to the, saw the tax collector named Levi, and sitting at the tax office, he said to him, he said, follow me. So, so he left all, rose up, and followed him. And so we're going to talk about kingdom authority today. What, what it does, it produces followers. Now, how does the kingdom of God produce followers? Now, the follower in this case was going to be Levi, who being a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were people that had authority in the days that they lived in. 
uh, if you look at, the, look at the IRS, when the IRS's phone number shows up on your phone, or uh, you, you get a letter from the IRS, how do you feel? What is the first thought that you have when the IRS, a letter shows up from the IRS? What, 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 have you, anybody ever got a letter from the IRS? You've been doing this, listen, you've been doing real good in life, things have been going well in life, and you get a letter from the IRS, what do you immediately think? Audit. Something, something, something's wrong, right? Well, here's tax collectors, right? We look at the Bible, talking about tax collectors, and, and, and I noticed the interesting thing about this is it talks about how uh, the tax collector was sitting at the office. Sitting at the office. Now, I don't think of the office when I think about Old Testament times. I'm thinking about Jesus and his time 2,000 some odd years ago. I'm not thinking about an office. I'm thinking about a, a stable somewhere. I'm thinking about maybe a, a synagogue somewhere, but I'm not thinking about an office. So who would have an office but somebody that's got some power? Who would have an office but somebody that's got some authority going on in the city where somebody can, people can recognize who that person might be? Everybody knows the tax collector in town. Everybody knows the tax collector in town. So after these things, he went out and saw, the, saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax office, and he said to him, follow me, follow me. Now, to get a tax collector's attention, to have them follow Jesus, there has to be more authority in the man called Jesus than in the tax collector's office. Okay. Now, if you follow me for a moment here, I think you'll understand something. If I'm going to go to the tax collector's office at the IRS in Fresno or wherever I'm going to go down to the tax collector's office, and I walk in and I say, follow me, they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. I may have authority in that regard, but they're going to look at me like I'm, I'm, I lost my mind. But Jesus shows up, and he says, follow me to the tax collector. Now, there had to be some kind of authority, and not just in the voice of Jesus, but in himself personally. There had to be something in Jesus that caused this tax collector to identify with him as a man of authority for him to do what? He says, the tax collector said, he said, so he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, the tax collector leaving, what he left was probably money. <laughs> the thing that a lot of people want to hold on to is money. Oh, let me give you an example. Mary, give me your purse. See, 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 see. First thought, first thought, first words out of her mouth, no. See? See, see that? See, see, you see what happened, right? See, so the man, Jesus says, follow me. The first response should have been, no. I've got money to take care of. I've got, I got folks' taxes to take care of. I've got a job. I've got a responsibility. So, but what he did, he says this. He says, so he left all, all of what he was responsible for, rose up. Watch this. He, <laughs> I like this. He's sitting down in his office, handling the taxes. All the money sitting around. All the, all the people's bills. They're not giving him checks. They're giving him real currency of that day. Giving him the currency that they had to work with for that day. Listen, and so he left all. All of what? All the stuff that was present with them. And so he left all, got up, rose up. And what did he do? He didn't keep looking back. He followed Jesus. He didn't keep looking back. He followed you. Listen, if, if I've got a whole lot of something that I'm responsible for, 
I want to make sure that it's going to still be there when I rise up. I want to make sure it's going to still be there when I start following somebody else. As a matter of fact, I might take it with me. But what he did, he rose, he left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. Why, why did he do that? Because he was a man of authority. He was a man of authority. Jesus was not just a man that was just kind of hanging out. He was a man of authority. He, was a, he had kingdom authority. The kind of authority that, that, that only a tax collector would bow down to. I would guarantee you that folks have come by the tax collector's office and say, let's go out to have lunch today. He didn't leave all, rise up, and follow them. He says, why don't you go get the lunch and bring it back to me? If in this case, he felt as though he had any kind of authority that was over Jesus, he certainly would have talked to Jesus in a different kind of way. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have rose up, he wouldn't have left all, and he wouldn't have followed him at all. There had to be some kind of authority going on right there. So, I mean, digging in the passage of Scripture right now, I tell you, this is so much fun. When you dig into the Word of God and you find these obscure little things that just don't seem to even be in the, in, even in the passage sometimes. And then look a little, look a little bit closer and go like, who, who was this man respecting more than he's respecting before? There was somebody, some people probably present in his office. Watch this. Not only was it money present. Hear, hear me. Tax collector. Collect, what does he do? He collects what? Money. Taxes, right? Money. Money. So not only was there money present, there were people present that were bringing the taxes. So if he left all, he left the people and the money right in his office. So if he left all and followed Jesus and didn't take the money, he left it, rose up and followed Jesus, that means that the money and the taxes, were the, money and the, the money and the people were still left behind. Now, everybody that pays taxes don't pay them happily or cheerfully. I'm not going to take a show of hands or anything like that, but some of us had to pay, I had to pay taxes this year, and I did it cheerfully, but it was, uh, you know, did, did my job, did, did what I was supposed to do, but I, I took, took as long as I could to pay it. I just said, okay, I'll pay it on the last day. I didn't give it to him the first day. If, I don't want to put nobody on the spot here, but I don't, don't listen, just look straight ahead. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if the man has just finished your taxes, just collected your money, and has now left. Some of you, before you were Christians, you might have took your money back. And somebody, and somebody else's money, too. That's called stealing, by the way. We could have, somebody would have took that money back. Back in that day, I would imagine this. Why would this guy leave all the money present with the people that just gave him the money? What kind of authority does a man get you to get up and walk away from what's present in you, what was rightfully yours? Jesus' authority will cause you to get up and walk away from what you own. His authority will cause you to get up and walk away from the life you used to have. Watch this, watch this. His authority will cause you to walk away from the life that you used to cherish. 
This man was recognized as a man of authority in his city. This tax collector sitting in his office and everybody dreading to come to him because if they didn't come to him, what was going to end up happening? What are the consequences of not paying your taxes? What are the consequences of not paying your taxes in that day? Jail, lifetime, take a child, take your property. All kind of stuff can happen, right? But this man, I'm, I'm, here, I'm, I'm staying here for a while because I want you to understand something of the kingdom authority that Jesus had. He walked in kingdom authority in such a way that the, the people that were the most powerful people that day had to bow down to him. The most powerful people that day had to bow down to him because they recognized him as a man of authority, walking in kingdom authority, and now walking in his own authority. It wasn't just something that was, it wasn't just something that was a small thing. It was a really big thing. So the kingdom authority, it produces followers is what it does. It produces followers. It produces followers. In this case, the follower happened to be a tax collector, and anybody else, watch this part, anybody else that would follow after the tax collector would, would, would follow after the tax collector because they know that he's a man of authority also. Jesus goes to the top of, top of the food chain to talk to the guy that's in charge of stuff, to talk to the person that has people following after him, people clamoring to get their money, get their money to him on time. We would, we would hope that as business people, as business people, that people would pay their bills on time, right? We'd hope that people pay their bills on time. And, and if they paid their bills on time, that'd be great. But see, the, the, the IRS, the tax people, have such an such a interesting power over people's lives. They, I mean, folks, folks that will, people don't even sleep because of taxes. People don't even have a chance to enjoy their life because of taxes that they owe. This guy, powerful man, followed after Jesus. So the kingdom, kingdom authority produces power. Verse number 29, it says, then, uh, then Levi, Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors there, right? And others who sat down with him. Now, now watch this. One tax collector having authority with a whole bunch of other tax collectors, right? And what did he do? He threw a great big old feast for Jesus. A great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and, their fair, and the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? We as believers today, we don't want to get caught hanging out with sinners. Most of us don't. We don't want to get caught hanging out with sinners because people think that we are sinners as well. But why did Jesus hang out with sinners and tax collectors? Jesus answered and said to him, said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. It's a parable. But those who are sick. So who is he calling sick? He's calling the tax collectors and he's calling sinners sick folks. Verse number 32. He says, I have not come to call, right, call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I'm looking at this. I'm going, man, here it is that. We live in this, this age that we live in, and majority of the time, we would dare not be caught hanging around sinners. We dare not be caught, we don't want to be in the public, public place with sinners, yet alone dining with them. Most Christians don't want to do that. We want to hang around each other all the time. Nothing wrong with that. 
But Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners, to repentance. Now, now, now I'm going I'm to dive into your life for a minute. Because when we're hanging around with brothers and sisters, we have to recognize that sometimes even our righteousness, our righteousness really is as filthy rags. We've got to recognize that sometimes even, even among believers, there's a bunch of sin in the camp. And Jesus is called to even bring repentance to believers who are in sin. But his basic call is to call the unrighteous to repentance. So who better to get the folks together than a tax collector? He goes first to the tax collector, gets the one man to follow. The one man leaves everything, follows after Jesus, and goes, throws a party for Jesus, and brings all of his tax collecting friends and their associates and then he calls them to repentance. What a powerful opportunity to be able to do that. Not to be in the presence of all these folks that are always after him, desiring to follow after him, but to go in the den of iniquity and find a way to communicate the gospel to them right then and there. My prayer is that you and I would have opportunity to be in the den of iniquity and bring the gospel to somebody's life. My, my prayer is that we don't freeze up when we get there. So we become Christians and forget where we came from. We, we become Christians and say, oh, well, I'll just hang out with my brothers and sisters now for the rest of my life. And I'll just, just iron sharpen iron and we'll be just, just as good as we can be. And we never want to hang out with anybody else anymore because we know that they are sinners and they can't be saved by grace like I was saved by grace. Yes, I was saved by grace. And yes, we ought to go back to that pe those people, people as well. But we ought to be sent there. And not go because we just chose, choose to go on our own. You'll get eaten alive if you go on your own. <laughs> in Sacramento, when I got saved in Sacramento, we had a guy named Pete Michelle. I'll tell you this story before. Here's a Pete. Pete Michelle would come to our church on occasion. And Pete was a little, little Mexican guy about this tall. About, about this tall. Powerful, powerful, powerful. He was almost like crazy powerful. Pete would go, he's, hey, walking to church, we're going to go to the bar tonight. He preached to all the Christian folks, right? All the Christian folks was in the church who said, the bar? He said, we're going to go to the bar tonight. We're going to shake up some demons tonight. We're going to get some folks saved tonight. How many want to go to the bar tonight? And then, then he would say this, he said this, he said, now, if you had a problem with drinking, you may not want to go to the bar. You may not want to go to the bar. But those you feel like you're called to go with me tonight to, to minister wholeness to people that need healing, come with me. Folks, I went. I went and I, and I was sitting there going, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. I'm just standing around looking at everything else. I, I'm, I'm a brand new baby Christian, right? I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, okay, here I am standing around. Who, what am I going to say? I'm just watching them. Just enjoying watching them. And this guy was just preaching up a storm, man, out in the parking lot. Just preaching up a storm. We didn't actually go inside the bar. We're out in the parking lot. But inside, outside in the parking lot, just preaching up a storm. Because he was called to bring people to repentance. 
He didn't want to just come into the church because, you see, and I'm going to say this out loud because we do the very same thing in our church as well. We have evangelists that come to our church and they evangelize the saints. Uh, okay. I'm going to go ahead and get myself in trouble. Why not? I'm waiting for an evangelist to show up at our church and say, let's go, out, let's go outside the church and evangelize the world. I'm waiting for somebody. I remember one time we were, I remember, <laughs> I used to be really crazy as a young pastor. I said, one Sunday morning, I remember, I remember Bruce probably remember this. I said, let's go, we're going to get up right now, we have praise and worship to the offering. Let's go to the neighborhood. And we walked around the neighborhood right over there on Telephone Avenue area. And we walked around the neighborhood. And it was uh, Sandy Club's first day at the church. She said, what am I doing walking my high heel shoes out here? You know, in the first time I'd been at church. And it, <laughs> She's out there going, you didn't have to go, but she went anyway, you know. But we took people out to the neighborhood where, where the people were. And we decided to be bold and not just kind of hanging around in here all the time. How many of you know we can become spiritual fat souls just kind of hanging around here all the time? Okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So kingdom authority leads sinners to repentance. And if it's authority, if it's authority, when it's authority, it leads sinners to repentance. See, repentance is something you have to willingly do. I can't make you repent. I can't make you change your mind. You have to hear enough intellectual conversation uh, have a, a, a prompting in your heart to be going one way and all of a sudden decide, you know what? This is not the right way. And turn completely around, repent, and go the other way. And then not look back. You see, repentance doesn't look back. You didn't hear me. Repentance doesn't look back. That's why we're, we're sinners saved by grace. Now we sin every once in a while. But we sin when we look back. Did you hear me? We sin when we look back because we get, a, get, we get familiar with things again and say, oh, that's what it used to be like. That's what I used to do. And then we kind of, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man expect to receive anything from God. So when we're double-minded, we can't be in a repentant state at all. We're double-minded. We're looking at the life we used to have and we're looking at the life we want to have. Look at the life you want to have. Totally repent. That's what he's called. He's called us to totally repent and continue to walk in this way. Continue to walk in this way. And once in a while we look to the left and to the right and we kind of get messed up. But if we look straight ahead, we'll see him, the author and finisher of our faith. We'll see that God has a plan that's better than our plan. So he, the kingdom of authority causes us to lead sinners to repentance. Let's move on. Verse 33. Then they said to him, okay, Jesus, why did the disciples John, the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? That's a good, good question. Good question because John's disciples did that, right? And likewise, those of the Pharisees, the Pharisees had disciples also that fasted and made prayers too. He said, but yours, your disciples, Jesus, they eat and drink. They eat and drink. Why do your disciples not act like John's disciples? Why do your disciples only act like the Pharisees? And they're a bunch of hypocrites. And they fast and they, and they fast and they 
prayers. But your disciples don't even do it. Why does Jesus' disciples don't do that? Why do your disciples don't do that? He said, verse number 34, and he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? The answer is no, of course. You know why? Because they're, they're with the bridegroom having a good time. They want to make sure the bridegroom has a good time. They want to ensure that the bridegroom has the best, best experience that he's going to have. They're not going to get back and start fasting and make him feel like he's bad off. They want to make sure that he has a good time as well. So that, that's not going to happen. But move on to verse number 35. He says, but the days will come. This is what he says. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. So when the bridegroom leaves, the bridegroom leaves, then they will fast in those days. Okay. I kind of get an understanding about that, but why would they fast in those days? Why would they want to fast all of a sudden now when the bridegroom is in present? Whereas John's disciples, they fasted while he was present. The Pharisees' disciples, they fasted while the leaders of the Pharisees were present. But Jesus' disciples didn't fast while he was present. What's going on with that? They wanted to soak up everything they could around Jesus while they could. If you were with Jesus, you wouldn't want to fast either. If you're with Jesus, you want to have as much life of the party time with him as you possibly could. Let me share with you something real quickly here. Kingdom authority causes a longing for the king. When Jesus left, you've been hanging out with Jesus all this time. All this time you've been hanging out with Jesus, man. I mean, all this time you've been hanging out with Jesus and, and you want to be closer to him again because he's gone now, right? How do you get closer to the Lord right now in your own life? I'm giving you, give you a hint today. See, kingdom authority will cause you to long for him, and you'll go back to fasting again. You see, see, when we don't miss God, when we don't have a desire to be in his presence, fasting and prayers are the things that we don't do. But when we want to be in the presence of God and we long to be with him because we feel absent from him, He's no longer with us, right? In this case right here, he's no longer with the disciples anymore. He's gone now. He's left them. So there's a longing in the hearts of these disciples all of a sudden now to fast and to pray. There's a longing in their disciples' heart to fast and to pray, to be close to him in spirit and in truth, because they know that he's seeking for such to worship him like that. There's something about fasting and praying that gets us closer to God. Do you fast and do you pray? You see, you can pray, but see, if you don't fast, there's another component that's involved here. Fasting says, okay, I'm denying myself. I'm denying myself of the things that I enjoy. I am denying myself of the things that, that keep me motivated in life sometimes. I'm denying myself of the things that, that I find to be comforting to myself. I want to put those things away, and I want to begin to seek after God. In my time of prayer, I'm getting before him. I'm longing for, as a deer pant for the water, I'm longing for God like that. That's what happened to these guys right here. There's a longing for God, a longing for the king. When there's a longing for the king in the lives of believers, it's only because kingdom authority is absent. When we miss kingdom authority in our own lives, we begin to long for him. We begin to listen. I believe this that every person really desires somebody.
that can help them and they respect them to some degree, somebody in their life, they respect to some degree that they, have a, they, they will yield to themselves to that person's authority. Children long to be led the right way. If the parent is a right parent, if a parent wants to be a good parent, they'll lead that child in the right way. They just want to leave them just kind of hanging out on their own if they truly, truly believe, that, believe in their children. They'll say no once in a while. <laughs> I can't. I'll give you a couple weeks off. I'm not going to bother you. But I'm keeping, today's your day. <laughs> My parents told me no. No, not all the time, but once in a while. And often didn't give explanation until later. And when I got the explanation later, I understood it later. But I didn't understand it at the moment. But good parents will say no. Watch this. And when the no is spoken, the longing begins to happen in the child. To find out why, to find out how, to find out how this no can be turned into a yes. There's a longing to get to know what the parents, what's in the parents' mind. The disciples are wanting to, they're longing for Jesus to want to get to know where he is and who he is and how they can be closer to him. The longing to fast and to pray gets us right in that place again of understanding who God is. Are you longing for him like that? Are you longing for authority in your life? Like that? Are you longing for the kingdom authority in your life to the degree you're saying, God, I want you to lead me and guide me and direct me by your spirit. I want you to take my life and mold it and shape it into the image that you want it to be. I want to be led by you. So I will give myself away to you by fasting and praying. Hear this part. Not only in your presence. See, we kids are sneaky, right? In our parents' presence, we do all the right stuff. In the presence of our parents. In the presence of those that we love and appreciate, and we do all the right stuff in their, in their presence. But when we do the right stuff out of their presence, that's when we know that the longing that we had to understand authority became present in us. You see, the longing to have kingdom authority becomes present in us when the king of authority is absent from us. Jesus is in heaven ever living to make intercession for us today. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of us prompting us to get to know him more effectively. He's desiring that we would fast and to pray, to separate ourselves from the things that we like and enjoy say, I'm going to put these things away and I'm going to go ahead and pray before my God. I'm going to get before the king today and let the king have his authority rule over my life. And so when I come out of my time of fasting and praying, I'm coming up, standing up strong. I'm coming up, standing up strong. I'm leaving everything that was behind, leaving everything that belongs to me. I'm leaving all that and I'm going to stand up right. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do like that Levi did. I'm going to do the same thing. Fasting and praying is a powerful thing neglect it because when we neglect fasting and praying we're saying that we don't want to be under authority anymore we're familiar with Jesus so much that we don't think that we need to shed off the flesh 
Flesh shall not glory in his sight. We ought to fast and pray. We ought to fast and pray. The king is looking for that to happen for us to fast and pray. To be longing for the king is what kingdom authority does. It causes a longing for the king. Verse number 36. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And, the old, and, and also the, the piece that, that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Now, I've never tried to do any sewing in my life, but I've watched people sew before, and I've watched them always connect new stuff with new stuff. But I can only imagine old stuff that we'd have getting a little bit weak, weak in its texture, <laughs> and we try to sew it together with the new stuff, that somehow the new stuff overtakes the old stuff, and it will tear it apart because the textures are not the same. It doesn't match up anymore. So he says that. He, he, says, that, he says the parable, no one puts a piece, of a piece from, the old, from the new garment on the old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. It makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. The colors don't match. Things don't, just don't match up as well. Verse number 37. He says, no one, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine uh, will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Hear that part? New wine must be put into new wineskins. And both are preserved. The old wine is preserved, stayed in the old wineskins. And, and the new wine is preserved in the new wineskins. He says, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new. For he says the old is better. So that means this. We can't get all wrapped up about yesteryear. The way it used to be done. You see, the way it used to be done was always good. It's always going to feel good to us. It's always going to taste good to us. But you know, the world is changing around us. And you know that? You see that? Things are changing all the time. And, and we have to make adjustments and changes also. But I'm not talking about we may change the method, but we don't change the message. The message remains the same. We don't change the, 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 the message. But hear this part. If we're going to desire the new wine skin, the new wine, we have to become the new wineskins ourselves. Allow the Spirit of God to pour into us that which is new and fresh. The Bible says that His mercies are new when? Every morning. Every morning. So we are renewed in the attitude of our mind every day. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. If there's no transform of the renewing of our mind on a consistent basis, we'll be the same as we used to be. <laughs> okay. Take a glass of water old glass of water with dirt and mud and everything in it, right? And you pour it, it's halfway filled up. And you pour a glass of water, clean water inside of it, fill it up to the top. What are you going to have? A dirty glass of water. A dirty glass of water. Now you keep on pouring clean water into that water, that vessel that has dirty water at the bottom. Eventually the dirty water at the bottom rises to the top and goes out of the container. Is that right? Is that how it happens? Is that how it happens, right? But here, here's part two. <laughs> when you have the clean water in the vessel now, that water is suitable for drinking now all of a sudden. Oh, suitable for drinking to the degree. I know the bottom of the glass is probably a little bit still dirty. Don't worry about that part of it. But it's suitable for drinking once the washing of the water of the word is happening in us. Because this is what's going on. God wants to take us and make us fresh and new every day. He didn't want us to carry over old stuff into the new day and keep on living off the old stuff. 
He wants to give us fresh new mercies every day. He wants to give us something fresh and new on an everyday basis, not just a once in a while basis. If God didn't care that much about us, he would just say, well, you can make it on what you got last week. You can make it on what you, you received last time. See, faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Hear that part. Faith comes by having, comes, faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now faith is a substance, not yesterday faith. Now faith is a substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. So if faith comes by hearing and not what we have, have already heard, we have to hear on a continual basis. We have to hear right now so that faith can come right now. Rather than, based, rather than remembering what we've heard, and calling that faith, we need to hear right now and know that it's faith. We've got to walk in, walk in faith on an everyday basis. It's not something we do on a, on a part-time basis. We do it on an everyday basis. God wants us to be there. He wants us to be there. How many of you really want to be there every day? I mean every day. You want to be there every day. Not just sometimes. Not just once in a while. Not just a, on occasion. Not because, well, you know, well, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. I hear things a lot of times before. I've heard a lot of things before. But you know what? When I hear the word of God every day, something changes every day. Something in me changes every day. Every day that I pray, something changes in me every day. I can say some of the same exact words, and those words have a different meaning to me every day. God's doing something. He's good. The last one is this. Kingdom authority brings new life. New life. Not old life, but brand new life. We want new life. Every one of us wants new life. We don't want old life and hold on to that. You know, we want to be able to get, 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 get out of our place of being repentant, repentant in our hearts and, and be followers of Christ and be repentant and understand who we are in that regard and then get to the place where we don't know that God is working with us in and through us, both to willing to do for his good pleasure. He's not, he's not satisfied with just having us get, just get by. He's having us desire to long after him, to long after him and have new life. I want new life today. Father, I thank you this morning that you give us new life. I thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us with all spiritual blessing, that you've allowed us to have hope, you've allowed us to have understanding about what you're doing in our lives and how you're taking us from faith to faith and glory to glory. How you're under, getting us to understand that life in the absolute sense is really, really real for us. Zoe, the God kind of life. The kingdom authority that we're looking for in our lives is a result of us desiring, Lord God, to follow after you to get to a place of being repentant in our heart, to long after you as well, but also to expect, Father God, you to move mightily in our lives in great ways, that the King of glory will give us new life. We receive new life today. We receive new life today. Although we've been born again, walking in newness of life, Father, we receive new life today. So, Lord, have your way in the midst of all these people today. In the midst of all those that are here to the sound of my voice, have your way. You've come this morning, you've been desiring to have newness of life, you've been desiring to walk in God's ways and not in your own. But perhaps on occasion you get to a place and you, that, that, that you feel as though that you're not, you're not getting by like you need to be getting by. You're not succeeding like you want to succeed. And somehow you know that God has a better way. You know he has an absolute better way. You've been, listen, you've been trying, you've been giving forth your best effort, and you've been studying, you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been doing everything you know how to do. And somehow this has just not been coming, coming to fruition for you. I want to tell you this morning that sometimes it takes agreement of somebody else to come to agreement with you. See, one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. And we get ten thousand being chased off. I'm talking about demons being chased out of your life and things that have been going on with you. You've been able to fight off stuff by, your, by yourself for a little while. 
But if you need some additional help and getting some demons fought out of your life and to be able to be, get them beat down out of your life, <laughs> we want to help you today. We want to help you get that ha- to happen. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. I need that today. Now, I want you to do me a favor and stand to your feet and I want you to come up to the front. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you and believe God with you today that he can do that. See, you wouldn't even, you would even, you would even pray, you wouldn't even have a desire to have this kind of prayer if you didn't believe that God could do it. If you didn't believe that God can do something, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even come up here. It's not me. I have no power. Only the power that works through me from him. But on today, as we're praying, I want you to stretch your hands toward these that are standing up front right now. We're going to believe God that whatever's going on in their life will be changed. Father, we know that one can chase a thousand, but two can chase ten thousand. And there are more than two of us here right now with our brother Bruce. Father, we're standing in agreement with him right now, Father, that the demons that are being trying to surround his life, Father, are being chased off right now in Jesus' name. That the anointing of the Holy One is present here both to remove burdens and destroy yokes. And God, I pray now in Jesus' mighty name that Bruce stands in authority, the authority of the kingdom, and he's able to speak to mountains and say, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. Father, bring to remembrance the exact words that he needs to speak out of his own mouth. That he'll be able to even say things even out of his own mouth, even on today and, and days ahead. That will cause them to realize that you are always with, with him. You, ne- you said you never leave him nor forsake him. And that no weapon formed against him will prosper. And every tongue that will try to rise against him, you'll condemn. That I pray now in Jesus' mighty name. That the anointing of the Holy One be present here, right this very moment. To bring the answers to Bruce's situation, Father that you and him know about it. I don't have to know about it, but I know that you and him know about it, Father God. And because you and him know about it, that's a majority. Holy Ghost, do what you do on the inside of Bruce. Cause him to see change. Cause him to recognize that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same one that quickens his mortal body. The same one that caused him to be alive in Christ. God, we praise you right now that you're working in Bruce's life, both to will and to do for your good pleasure, even right now. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Father, my sister, Barbara Gill. Father, for whatever situation is going on in her life, Father, that we stand in agreement right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, that the, the demons in hell don't stand a chance against her because she's been able to hold off those that have been around her, the thousand or so that have been trying to, trying to keep her down. Father, she's been able to fight against them by the words of her mouth and the testimony of her heart. But Father God, as we stand together even right now, Lord God, those of us that are around, Father God, more than, more than 10,000 demons are being put to flight. Father, I pray now that we would even protect our sister, a hedge of protection be around her right now. That the things that are trying to enter in, Father, can't enter in today. The things that are trying to enter into her mind can't enter in today. Father, I pray now, Father, that the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, Father, I thank you that the shield of faith is quenching all the fiery darts right now in Jesus' name. That my sister, Father, God, is standing strong in the Lord in the power of your might, knowing that her God reigns and is an authority today. And that delegated authority that you've given her, Father God, let her operate in that delegated authority by speaking out of her own mouth with thus saith the Lord. God, we praise you now and we honor you for what you're doing in her heart, what you're doing in her mind, what you're doing in her physical body. That changes are happening right now. And that she is seeing it happen now in Jesus' name. And we give you praise for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. Always desiring to see your will done in his heart. Father, we pray now in Jesus' name that the devils are being, being fled, they're fleeing right now in Jesus' mighty name. That even step, step Father, God, moment, you're causing his heart to be changed, Father. You're causing his body to be changed. You're causing his, his uh, 
change, Father God. I pray now in Jesus' name that working in newness of life, Father, and seeing the things life. God, I pray now that even, even as we would lay our hands upon him, Father God, you said you said we lay hands upon him to recover. We want to see that happen because you would happen, Father. We're, we're putting our trust in you, God. We're putting our trust in you, not in ourselves, not in our, not in our ability to do what we're doing. We're just obeying you, God. We're just obeying your word. And your word, Father, we will trust and obey you today. You said you're seeking us to, to worship you, so we worship you. You're seeking such to be able to go and to be obedient to you, Father, we're being obedient to you. You're seeking such to be ones that will walk by faith and live by faith. We're doing that very thing today. And Father, as my brother lives by faith, Father, we'll be able to stand up against the wiles of the wicked one right now. And that he'll see the power of God being made manifest in his life. And God, I give you praise, honor, and glory right now, Lord, that you're working in him. And showing him, Father God, the ways of, of salvation, Father. The ways of healing. The ways of the kingdom. And we give you praise for now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Father, my sister, Father, I pray right, right now, Father God, whatever situation is going on in her life, Father God, that you have brought her to a such a time for here for such a time as this, to be resurrected in newness of life and to receive all that she has in her life, Father God, to receive all that has going on in her life, Father God. Let her be changed by the power of your blood. God, we give you praise that you're working the, working the, the details out. You're working out the details in her life. As the details are being worked out, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that anything that's surrounding her, Father God, anything that's trying to, to even bother her, bother her mind right now, Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that no authority, Father, no authority, Father God, except the authority of the name of Jesus is, is authoritative in this place. That only the power of God is made manifest in this place. That no other power can rise up in this place. That only the power of God can stand in this place. God, we give you praise right now, Lord God. You're working out things in her life that she didn't even have a clue about. That you're changing her from the inside out. From the inside out, you're changing her right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Bless your Lord Jesus. Bless your Lord God. Again, for your work in our lives. How you're changing us from faith to faith and glory to glory. How you're getting us to understand that you are a God that cares for us, loves us, appreciates us, and wants the absolute best for us. We stand understanding that you are the one that's in authority. Kingdom authority reigns in our lives. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.